0: This episode of Ghost Stories is brought to you by Mazars in South Africa, although you'll have to listen closely because that name is going to change. This podcast is all about Mazars' exciting news of a merger with Forvis in the US, creating a much larger network firm to serve service clients. Regular listeners of Ghost Mail podcast will be aware that Mazars is my brand partner in the Ghost Wrap podcast, a fantastic weekly wrap up of the news on the JSC that is most interesting and relevant to investors. This was a great opportunity to engage with the CEO of local Mazars business about not just the merger, but also his thoughts on South African business at large. Enjoy. Welcome to this episode of Ghost Stories. I really am looking forward to it. It's nice and responsive to a piece of news that came out in the market. Now, any of you listening to this will surely know that Mazars is already a friend of Ghost Mail, for want of a better description. They are the sponsor of the Ghost Wrap podcast that goes out every week and brings you updates on about five or six local companies. I kind of pick the news each week that I think will be most interesting and deliver it to you in a coffee break ready, I suppose, format. And uh, my thanks to Mazars for sponsoring that and for being part of that journey. And I suppose when the news came out of a very interesting, I don't know if, if merger is quite the right word, but I mean, we'll get into that, uh, Anup. You know, the story of Mazars taking a big step forward in terms of forming a larger network firm. And I have the opportunity today to speak to the CEO of the local Mazars business, Anoop Ninan. And Anoop, thank you for your time. I mean, you're a very busy man and I'm sure you've had a very busy week in the aftermath of this press release going out. So thank you for giving your time to the Ghost Mail audience and and helping us understand a bit more. Thank you.
1: Very excited to be here. And uh, yes, I think it's a really exciting time for Mazars.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of want to start almost right at the beginning And, and people see these big name audit firms and obviously we know the sort of the big four that everyone talks about and then the sort of tier two coming through the ranks growing quickly kind of audit firms and then obviously this industry is very fragmented right it goes all the way down to you know the mom and pop shop accounting firm that does a lot of really small businesses so it's a very very fragmented industry and clearly it's a strategic imperative for you guys to have a bigger network firm. It clearly makes a difference. So I'm going to open the floor to you to actually just talk us through high level. What is this exciting news and what does it mean for Mazars? You know, why is it great for you guys?
1: Okay, no, thank you. Thanks for that. So look, I I think the first thing to know is, I mean, Mazars is a top top five firm in Europe. Uh, We are top six firm in Africa, but globally, um, our ranking has been outside of the top 10. So this network deal that we've done, and it's a very unique uh, network of just two firms, Mazars and Forvis, gives us access into the US. I mean, the US um, is a massive market for uh, globally, and for Mazars, it's been one that we have been working hard at uh, growing. And with Forvis, we get access into 6,000 professionals in 27 states in the US which takes us to a top 10 uh, network firm. And I think that's, that's great for us. I mean, for us, it is always about being able to be a viable alternative to the big four. And really, we are in that space. We have clients that um, are always looking for global footprints, making sure that we can deliver consistently across the globe. And this is, the, I would say, the, the biggest step that we've taken in the last uh, few years.
0: Yeah, that's very exciting. I'm keen to understand a little bit more about how audit firms differentiate themselves, right? Because, you know, maybe for people who don't really understand the industry who kind of sit on the outside of it, you know, I can understand a perception of all these firms do the same thing. So why is one different to the other? So maybe we can just spend a little bit of time on that. You know, how does Mazars differentiate itself from the rest of the pack? And and, and is that the right way to think about it? Is it much the same service across the board and it comes down to client relationships or or do the service offerings differ?
1: So, so, look, I think the service offerings are very similar, but I think it's really about how we deliver. You know, that's, that's really the difference between one audit firm and another audit firm. And for me, there's three big things that uh, we differentiate on. The first one is use of technology and innovation. So I think in today's world, everything is through a computer. So you have to be able to be agile. You have to work through that. You have to use data analytics. You have to use AI. And I think that does provide a lot of efficiencies, not only to clients, but also our teams. You know? So that's, that's a very uh, big differentiator. The second one is, especially right now, uh, is the right capacity and skills. You know, we have, there is a global shortage of uh, accountants and auditors. And this is where you have to have the right people, the right teams to deliver. And the third one, which I always think that's always been there, but it's the most important one in today's day and age, is... Impeccable client service, you know, so partner led personalized service. I think that's something that's been ingrained in us for many years, but I see that it's becoming more and more important now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've mentioned partners there. Maybe that's a good time to just chat through the structure of how these network firms actually work because something I picked up when, uh, you know, your press release came out was it looks like the existing partners in each of Mazars and Forvers will kind of retain their existing stakes. I'm not going to pretend to understand how it all works. I must confess, I didn't do auditing articles. I went straight into banking. Right. Uh, I knew that, that getting into finance was where I wanted to be. So I decided signing off on a balance sheet was not for me and went straight into banking. So I never actually worked in an audit firm environment. So I think it would be great to maybe just understand a little bit about how these structures typically work in the back end.
1: OK, so look, I can talk about Mazars. So Mazars has a very unique structure. We are one international partnership. Um, so, and Forvis has their own, inter- their own practice, so effectively what we have created now is a network of two firms, only two firms, Forvis and Mazars, uh, and what it does obviously is it gives Forvis a global footprint, because now they are they have the Forvis and uh, Mazars brand in over 100 countries, and it gives us the presence that we need in the U.S., so it's uh, very different to many of the other firms, which are uh, based on many networks, you know, many uh, firms that are all incorporated into one network. And we are very unique. This is a network of two uh, two firms. We each keep our own governance structures, we each keep our own profit pooling, uh, and we continue to operate that way.
0: Okay, fantastic. So it's very much about servicing the client base with this kind of broader network. Uh, and I guess it's what will the impact be for South African clients? I mean, I think let's talk about that. You know, that's likely to be the audience of this podcast. What does this mean for existing clients and for those who might be considering Mazars? What are the advantages now of having this in place?
1: Yeah. So Look, I think for South African clients, I mean, the U.S. is still a very big uh, player in the South African market. There's a lot of FDI coming. There's uh, a lot of the big tech companies are setting up here. Data centers are coming up. So, Uh, You know, there's a lot of access into that market for our clients who are looking to get offshore. And I think the other side is also capital. I mean, the U.S. has, uh, there's a lot of private equity funds that are looking to invest in Africa. And they see South Africa as the gateway into English-speaking Africa, at least. And I think that's the opportunity that we have uh, for our clients who actually play in that space.
0: Yeah, that makes sense because, I mean, I can speak from... The startups I'm involved in, which are obviously much smaller than these big corporates, but it is a little bit of a warm blanket on a cold night where you can go with a brand you already know into a new territory, and I guess that's a big part of the benefit of these network firms, right? Is I'm existing, I'm an existing Mazar's client. Hypothetically, I want to go and open up in the US. Suddenly now, nah, I can kind of walk that road with you. Um, well, I think you said 27 states, at least in one of the, at least in one of the 27 states. Um, you know and exactly. it also also it also just teaches something about the u s market right and just how gigantic it is that you can have such a large firm but it's operating in slightly more than half the states in that country you know I'm assuming other states are either just too sub uh, subscale or whatever the reason would be the u s is just a monster of a place <laughs> tree really is huge yeah
1: and I think that's that was going back to my my comment about our ranking you know you can be top ranked in every other um every other continent, but if you don't have a big presence in the US, you'll still not be big enough. you know? And I think that's, that's really the size of that economy and uh, the size of investments that can come in and, and go out of that economy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious about the sort of Mazar's growth strategy. Is it about targeting specific sectors within, let's talk South Africa specifically, do you kind of sit down and say, you know, you mentioned data centers, just an example of something that's growing, you know, and there's lots of things that are growing in South Africa. People like to get very negative about it. But if you actually get away from the headlines and you get into what's happening on the ground, you will find opportunity. So do you sit and find those sort of pockets of growth and try and target that? Or is it more about taking you know, getting your service offering right and seeing where it lands. Like, how do you think about growing Mazars in South Africa?
1: No, so so we are, we do have a sector strategy, and again, we focus on the sectors that make sense uh, in South Africa and where we have the capability for. So, again, we've um, we we're focused in financial services. Uh, Mazars globally is uh, very strong in financial services, so that's something that we play in, in the whole of Africa. We are focused on mining. Uh, Energy is now quite a big uh, uh, energy and infrastructure in Africa is a very important uh, sector for us to be playing in. Uh, And then again, we have uh, services that we provide across uh, across all the sectors, such as corporate finance. So I think that's one of the areas where there is a lot of movement right now, uh, M&A in our our space, and it's something that we, we continue to target through our relationships and our client base.
0: Yeah, so my old life was very much in M&A. So from a Mazars perspective, is it on the deal advisory side? Is it more on the transactional support side? Is it a little bit of both? It's both.
1: So, you know, we we have a very strong team in um, transaction support and uh, M&A. Uh, and and we have also got uh, a very good project finance team. So this, this team actually works a lot on the renewable energy projects, on the uh, infrastructure projects, not only in South Africa, but in Africa as well.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Something I also wanted to touch on, and people talk about, you know, the shrinking JSE, the number of listings that are going away every year, et cetera, et cetera. How do you guys think about that world? I mean, obviously listed clients are typically bigger, more complex. That's quite important to an audit firm. It's just public accountability, you know, which obviously creates more of an opportunity for you guys. I think we all understand that. Private companies are a bit different. How do you see that sort of Mazar's role in public and private in the South African landscape? Is it a concern for you that the JSC keeps losing listings or is it something where you just pick those clients up in the private space?
1: We do service almost uh, 20 JSC listed companies so yeah, you know, we're quite quite happy in that space and look I think it is there's still a market for it um, we we play well in that space we're growing quite substantially uh, you know and the way I see it between private and public you know I, We've seen as uh, providers of trust and confidence to stakeholders. So you know that that's the way I see it, whether it's a private company or a public company or a public sector company, you know that's our job is really to provide trust and confidence to stakeholders. So
0: yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then I think one of the last things I wanted to just ask you is, you know just understanding a little bit more about the full Mazars service offering. So you've touched on MA. Uh, which is uh, you know as i said it's my old life really really exciting space so that's deal making that's putting together your clients um you know and and for those listening sometimes it's a sell side mandate which means you know your client is the business being sold or raising capital sometimes it's a buy side mandate which means you're working for the person with the money looking for the assets very different types of deals there's corporate restructurings i would imagine you have some involvement in BEE deals that's always a big one in south africa uh, there's obviously the audit offering and assurance and all of that. I and mean, beyond that, I think there's quite a big tax business within Mazars. You yes. know, I think it's worth spending a couple of minutes just doing the sort of lay of the land of the entire suite of Mazars services. Sure.
1: So, uh, yes, tax is quite big. So, I mean, obviously, we help a lot of our clients with um, making sure that their tax structures are in the right place, that tax effects are taken into account. Before the transaction, uh, not after the transaction, as you know, there's always uh, complicated things. We've got quite a big outsourcing business, so effectively a lot of the finance function of many entrepreneurs or even large multinationals are outsourced to us, so we would uh, do all of that for them. We have an internal audit business, um, which uh, does internal audit reviews on on a... Three-year basis for many companies, both listed and unlisted. We have a forensics business. Um, again, I think fraud risk is quite a big issue. Uh, it's something that we take very seriously. In fact, we, we try to embed everything into all our services. So it's not, uh, you know, although they are separate businesses, you know, we go with a seamless approach. So in our audit and assurance uh, projects, we always do a fraud risk assessment as part of our work. And then we've got and we've started a data analytics school um, and in that school we do a lot of software development. So, you know, we, we're now at that point where we can extract information in dashboards uh, to show our clients, our people, um, info, real-time information and give them insights, you know. So that that lends itself to um, consulting in terms of where the business can go f- for future casting, you know, and those are really Important um, new initiatives that we've been working on. And they're all driven by data analytics and AI.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this, is, this is hot off the, the press or, or, or hot on the heels of the open AI craziness over the weekend um as a as a microsoft uh, shareholder i remain very chuffed with how well satya nadella always manages to navigate these crazy situations but anyway that's a story perhaps for another day uh something else i did want to ask you is what impact are you seeing from this whole gray listing story with south africa in terms of how we are perceived internationally and also just how difficult it is for south africans to now do business abroad would you say there's bigger scrutiny on us as a country more paperwork more pain absolutely i
1: i think you know it's, uh, I can just see it in, in terms of the additional compliance requirements that are, are asked of every um, stakeholder, banks, financial institutions. So there's a lot more work needed, and I'm even talking even tax clearance certificates, etc. So it's quite a lot more um, that uh, we all have to be, be involved in to get the compliance right. Uh, so it's, it, it, it has taken a lot more time, I think, of everyone.
0: And do you find it's impacting inward investment and companies looking to expand into South Africa? Do they ask about this kind of stuff or do they understand they're probably more worried about load shedding than they are about greater stuff?
1: Yeah, funny enough, like, you know, I don't think that I've seen that as being the reason. Um, You know, obviously, there's, there's other reasons. But to be honest, in the last, even in the last year, we've still seen a lot of new companies and set up in South Africa. And I'm talking about from Europe and uh, uh, from the US. So, you know, as much as there are many issues here, um, the returns are better. And also the gateway to Africa is still a very important uh, consideration for any of these investors.
0: Yeah, it's all about risk reward, right? And at the end of That's the day, we, we've always been in a higher inflation, higher yield environment, higher returns. So it's not always an obvious answer, and, and it takes people a long time to understand this. A lot of people look at the headlines and panic, and they don't necessarily understand there is so much opportunity here. There are proper returns to be made. I guess last question from my side is, of those international companies coming into South Africa, what sort of sectors are you seeing activity in? You've already mentioned one or two, but I think for South Africans, it's nice to hear a good news story. You know, Where do we actually globally compete? Where are we attractive to international investors and multinationals coming in?
1: Yeah, so I think we've seen in the retail space um, and energy. So I think those are two big ones that uh, there's a lot of investment. I think those are probably the expected areas to have it. But I mean, you know, these are quite big projects, uh, the tech space, as you, as I mentioned earlier. But these are probably the growth areas for Africa, you know, so yeah,
0: yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, FMCG is always, (laughs) always top of mind, right? We have a growing population and that means more people and more people need more things. So I think we can leave it there. And thank you so much for your time. It's so cool to be able to tap into these insights and and to just learn a little bit more about what you're up to. And I look forward to the rebranding and seeing some more activity around that. So when does that actually happen? When will the name Mazars no longer just be Mazars? Yeah,
1: so we got to change to Forverse Mazars on the 1st of June, 2024.
0: Okay. So you've got a months. few more months. Yes. A few more months to organise some new signage. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Brilliant. And Deb, thank you so much for your time and for all your support of Ghost Mail and for Ghost Rap as well. You know, I think it's a really great little weekly podcast that people get to enjoy and I very much appreciate Mazars as a partner. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you
1: so much.